Crystal Palace and Everton both came into the weekend undefeated. Six points out of two matches. Everton stays hot with a 2-1 win, particularly behind Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who had another goal to his five-goal tally after three games. Uh, strong win. You know, it's away at Crystal Palace. A lot of season to go, but Everton has struggled the entirety of their last two campaigns. That a strong start of three wins to begin a season, I think, is a good omen for them and something that they can look back on when things do start kind of getting a little tougher, which they certainly will. Maybe the game of the week, Manchester City 2, Leicester City 5. My goodness. The only the 3-0 team and now five-goal scorer lies in Leicester. Leicester moves to 3-0 with Everton. Jamie Vardy, five goals, tied with Calvert-Lewin. They go into the Etihad, and they get a huge win. It's the same story as last year for City. They can score, and maybe they will outscore a lot of teams, but can they stop anyone from scoring? I don't. No, so. we yeah. saw that they can't. Like, you know, and then, I mean, this game, there were like three of those goals were penalty kicks. So that there is something to be said for that. But like the the easy opening of like space in their defense that Lester was able to take advantage of over and over again. It, it's this team's defense is horrible and they don't seem to have, you know, an intent to make it that much better. I, I don't know if Pep just doesn't care. Or if he's that headstrong in his way as a manager, but yeah, it's a nice win for Leicester. I, they're using you know the success from last year of saying, "Okay, you know what we we did have our second best finish ever. We finished fifth. We made the Europa League." And so I'm, I'm happy for them that they're using that as the positive instead of being like, "Oh, we collapsed and we're not good." Uh, you know, they're they're starting really well. It'll be see. It'll be interesting to see how they do with the Premier League once the Europa League starts. Uh, you know, when European play becomes part of it, they aren't the deepest team. So that'll certainly be a strain on the legs. Jan, I'm not sure we've talked about this before. What do you think Leicester's chances are in the Europa League? Uh, you know, I think we've talked about it maybe outside of this. But I, I do think that, like, they – with the weird season that everyone's having, you know, apart from Liverpool, who is consistent. I mean, they they won again today, so that's definitely – something to look at. And apart from Arsenal, who other than this loss, like I think that they, you know, can perform well, but again, they're also inconsistent. So, and with Man City showing that their defense is like I predicted, going to bite them in the butt. They can't hold on to it forever. They can't, they're not allowed to do that against good teams. You know, I think as good as anyone other than Liverpool, I mean, <laughs> honestly, if they keep playing the way they are, they have a good solid a midfield defensive rotation you know, I keep making jokes about Wes Morgan being in the back, but I mean, it's not failed them yet. So I, I can't say that it's a bad idea. Um, For how many seasons Wes Morgan's been there? This is probably like his only second European competition, isn't it? Right, exactly. So I think that Leicester City has as good a chance of anyone to to like rival Liverpool. I don't think that they're favorites over Liverpool. I don't think. No, I, I mean, I'm at, I asked, I, I'm at the Europa League. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Europa League. Sorry. We're talking Europa League. Yeah. I mean, then they can definitely win the Europa League. I mean, you have certain things that you can't really predict, such as the Champions League teams coming down. Who's going to like inevitably get knocked off that is much better than needing to get knocked off, you know, especially with like a loaded schedule this year. Sevilla is going to surprise everyone, finish third and then be in the competition again. So it's going to be really shitty for them when that happens because yeah. of like 
can you beat Sevilla? No. So no, you can't. <laughs> you can't. If that game against Bayern had been technically a Europa League game, you guys would have been screwed. We would have been crushed. They would have scored yeah, eight goals no off the counter. We would have lost no embarrassingly. So <laughs> I think I yeah, it's gonna depend on who comes down. But yeah, I mean Leicester from the start. You know, as good a chance of anyone, because uh, you know they 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 play like they're a lower Champions League team. They don't play like they're a Europa League team. So I definitely think they've got the stability and the offense uh, to make it happen. Yeah, me too. I mean, I it's kind you know it's one of those things where it's like why not? You know, who who else is going to be? As you say, you know, there could be. You never really do know how all the cards are going to fall for the Europa League, but there's no one you know obvious that you're like, well, they can't they can't get through them. I mean, from the field that you would kind of assume we'll kind of be laying out there. I think they have a shot against any of those teams, especially if they're playing the way they've been playing right now. Uh, as you said, Liverpool does get the 3-1 win over Arsenal. So it's Liverpool, Leicester, and Everton atop the Premier League right now, all with three wins and nine points. That's going to make for a good uh, Liverpool derby if, if Everton and Liverpool can can keep going as they are right now. And now, of course, I have to talk about Manchester United. It's a 3-2 win over Brighton <laughs> in I, the weirdest game I've ever seen. It, you know, United wins off a of Bruno penalty kick is not, you know, a crazy headline. That sounds like the majority of our victories last year. The fact that the penalty was taken after the final whistle, whistle in like the 100th minute is a little weird. But, you know, I, the biggest thing for me from that game, United was just highlighting the, the areas of, of weakness again um, defensively and, and on the wings and such. The win's a win. I, I thought, you know, penalty-wise, I guess, you know, the more I read about it, it seemed like rule-wise it was all right. And so I have no problem with it. But it was one of the worst. Like, I didn't I didn't leave that game being like, hell yeah, three points from United. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I I went into the season. You heard me. I went into the season thinking, you know, Manchester United going to take another step up. They're going to be able to compete. Hopefully we all they, did. <laughs> yeah, hope, hopefully they stay in the Europa League, my friend. I don't really know. I mean, they're going to have to shore up some of their problems. You know, I think if midseason comes around and they keep performing like this, I think you have to talk about getting Ole out of there. You know, I think you need a little change. Uh, I hate to say that, but it, it they've taken a huge step back. So they're going to have to show, you know, Brighton shouldn't be, regardless of the rules, right? Like Brighton shouldn't be competing. Brighton shouldn't be two goals close to you. They should be two goals. It, the bet should be, is Brighton going to stay within two goals of you? Not, is Brighton going to tie? Like, that can't be what the expectation is. So, you know, I think yeah. some things need to change. That's the expectation. No, it's not the expectation. I, but I, I mean, I see what you're thinking. I think, I mean, I'm just, I think you're looking a little micro on the macro, but yeah, I agree. I, well, this team, this team just needs more transfers. They need, they need more talent. And that's, I mean, that's what we've always said. I don't think we ever thought that the team that like finished last year was like, oh, yep, they're ready to compete for the Premier League and the Champions League. Like, yeah, a few of those players are going to get hopefully better and keep on, you know, getting well together. But like, they they have to get more. They have to go buy more players, or else this team's not going to do any anything well, that Manchester United wants to do. I don't know. The, the, towards the end of last season. You know, except, no, I'm not talking Europa League, but I'm talking Premier League. It did look like the combination of Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, you know, Rashford, Greenwood, uh, Martial, you know, that, that those guys could be a top four team easily. So I I think while I didn't am... You didn't mention any of the defensive players there, Jan. No, I did not. No, I did not. 
But you know what? That's that's not that's not always the case with everybody. You know, you look at Bayern's treble winning team. They don't. Would you mention any of those defensive players as their best players? He's still brought up Bayern somehow, guys. Guys, I'm talking. That's what I do. I don't know what to tell you, but um, I don't think. I mean, that's a different comparison. No, they're often. We talked. I mean, we talked about Alfonso Davies a lot, but like that's not really you know. But yeah, yeah, I mean, man, man, you just needs to. They need more players, and even with the players you mentioned, those players can't play every match. It'd be great if they could, but they can't. And we've seen before. As soon as that eleven isn't, I mean, you take like one player out of that eleven, and the complexion of that team changes drastically. So, so where do you, you need, where do you, you need better players? Where do you think the transfer needs to happen? Because here's here's what I would counter with, like. Like you can, you can say all you want, those players can't always play. But look at the teams that are winning the Premier League. Those same guys are starting up front for Liverpool. Those, you know, like that. Those guys are always starting. And granted, they're much better than Manchester United's front line. But sometimes you have to be like, you have to have a consistent front. You can't just rely on having a lot of depth. So, like, would you say the transfer no, need to happen? That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm arguing. I mean, yeah, that those guys do start every day and I would want that three to be the starting three, but injuries and knocks and games, those three for Liverpool, sometimes they don't play. I mean, I it's like, it's not, it's not a hundred percent thing. I'm, I'm not concerned about depth as much as like they don't have any depth. And so the state of play, once they have to lose right. anyone of that 11 drops so much. I mean, no, I, I don't want, I don't want like a revolving door of attacking. I want consistency at attacking, but injuries and fatigue, happen in a soccer season so if you don't have if you don't have anyone of quality that can at least like yeah your your team might jump down a little if it's not your chosen 11 you know because that's the case of things but it can't jump down it can't drop down as much as manu is right now when that right. chosen 11 isn't out there so right so yeah, the, it's gonna be it's not nah, i mean that, that's no, but I'm but saying, where would the transfers need to happen? Like the four? Yeah, I mean, I've already said. Back? I think they need wing. I think they need wingers and center back. Okay, okay, that's what I was yeah, asking. Yeah, I mean, for sure. That's what I, I mentioned that at the beginning. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't. I I missed that part, but yeah, I I think that definitely there there'll be some questions if they keep comp, uh, competing this way. But like you said, only it's only a couple games, uh, easy to turn around. Uh, yeah, and also Man City did just sign a center back. Uh, the other day. So they are making some moves. We'll see if it's the right move. Man City never really makes the right move, so I doubt it will be. But they did sign Ruben Diaz from Benfica. But they also sent Nicolas Otamendi the other way. So I don't really know. They're like trading center backs about it, basically. So we'll see if Ruben Diaz can be their guy, but it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's also, it's one of those things where it's early in the campaign for all these teams. Um, I think, I think like, Jump reactions are probably even stupider in soccer than they are in the NFL. Like PSG wins, loses their first two games. Do any of us think they're not going to win the league in France? No, like they're going to be. So lots to be decided, but should be an interesting Premier League season. So far, though, early or not, it does look like Liverpool is the favorites to repeat after such a long layoff of not winning the title. They may be getting two consecutively. Jan, why don't you take us around the rest of Europe? some of the other top soccer that happened over the last few days. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely soccer. We overreact because that's all we can do. Cause there's so much going on that overreacting is fun. Otherwise it we, is have fun. Nothing, we have nothing else to do. Uh, other yeah. than say that a loss means that this team is trash now. Um, and there's like 30 games in each league. So it's like, they only won by one. They're horrible. 
They're horrible. They're sell not the lot. Sell the lot. Right. Uh, well, I'll keep this brief. Uh, I'll talk about the Bundesliga first. You know, Bayern losing 4-1 to one to Hoffenheim. Dortmund losing 2-0 to zero to Augsburg. Gladbach has two points. You know, I... You know, summary of the of the week too in the Bundesliga. What is going on in Germany? No one is immortal. I mean, you got to show up and you got to play, and most importantly, your team has to be out coached. You know, like your team, like your team has to have the better coach. That's just like what it is in Germany, especially because coaches are so good there. I mean, you have like it's got it's got a tradition of great coaches. That's why Klopp is in Liverpool. You know, that's why uh, Thomas Tuchel is leading PSG. That, that just happens. Germany ha- is good at recruiting good coaches. And I think, you know, Bayern showed up to Hoffenheim and they sat Lewandowski on the bench and they had some fatigue, fine. But Hansi Flick didn't have any real solution to what are we going to do if Hoffenheim gets an early lead. He went in there, put Xerxes up front and said, well, we're the better team, so we're going to win. And we were not the better team. We were the worst team, you know, and because of that, the normal things that we can get away with, like some of the defensive pressing stuff that I've always talked about, we did not get away with, not once. And, uh, you know, they just played poorly. I, I'd love to attribute it to some fatigue, you know, of just like playing a lot in a, in a couple of months. I think it shows up in every team. I think it showed up for PSG. I think it showed up for Juventus the other day. You know, I think it's shown up uh, for a, a plenty of teams. But there's also a question of, you know, when you win the treble, you, you do get a little you think you can go in with the better players and win. And in soccer, that's not the case because one goal is all that someone needs. You don't, it's not like the NBA where you can have a bad quarter and like or make four up four if you're Hoffenheim or four, if you're Hoffenheim. But if you think about it, it's the two in the front that really made the difference because Bayern had to fight from behind. Oh yeah. No, but, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, but luckily for them, you know, I still think their top competitors are Dortmund of course, and they lost two zero to Augsburg. So it's not like they lose an advantage early on a team that can outpace them. Uh, it's just they're going to have to come back next week and play better. But, yeah, they look bad. Dortmund look bad. Bayern look bad. Gladbach look like they're going to get relegated. Bundesliga look bad. Bundesliga look bad. I mean, yeah, Schalke's coach got fired finally. Good for them. Except to Hoffenheim. Is, do, you think, do you think Hoffenheim's a legitimate contender for uh, a, even just Europa, like European spot, maybe Champions League? Yeah, they always are. Hoffenheim's always pretty like top six material, and they have. They aren't aren't always there. I mean, you know, they're not always there. But I think they start the season and they play like they're always, you know, worthy of a top six spot. My thing with Hoffenheim is they've had some weird stuff going on in coaching, and now they have coach Uli Hernes's nephew is the coach now of Hoffenheim, so kind of a Bayern connection there as well. And uh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, and he's po- he's coaching well, you know, got Hoffenheim top of the Bundesliga right now. So, you know, it's only two weeks, but that's something to, you know, kind of build on. And I think, yeah, there's there was always a question this year, you know, with Bayern and with Dortmund and, and maybe with Leipzig, but you can't really tell because of the loss of Timo Werner, like who steps up. And Leipzig has not stepped up 100%. They've done okay, though. Bayern and Dortmund, obviously, the top teams, but they've all fell behind. Uh, a little bit. And so it's going to be interesting. I think Hoffenheim is a team that can grab that fourth spot. I don't think Leverkusen's that much better than them. You know, Augsburg is always a hard team to play. So I'm not surprised that they beat Dortmund, but they also have a tendency to not show up in games that they can win like easily. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but good signs for Hoffenheim at first. I think they got a good team there. 
And yeah, Bayern, you know, sometimes, sometimes you, it, when you haven't lost in a while, sometimes the first loss comes and it's bad and it's bad and there's nothing else you can say. And, uh, that's just what it is. You know, it's every unbeaten streak must end at some point and hopefully they just learn from the, their mistakes. You know, I think the four to one, uh, scoreline is a little harsh, but I think also they, they have some stuff that they know they can work on. Uh, I have one little bit of advice for uh, Coach Hansi Flick if he's listening to this podcast, um, and I hope he is because I'm such a fan. Start Robert Lewandowski, you dumb, dumb boy. You dumb, dumb boy. I mean, here's the thing. Because Robert Lewandowski, it's not like he goes out there and tires. You guys, should you guys need Robert Lewandowski to beat Hoffenheim? No, we shouldn't. But here's the thing, Matt. Here's the thing. If you start Robert Lewandowski, automatically the other team is not willing to press because they know Robert Lewandowski's up there. And granted, you have the speed and you know you're scared of all the other players. But because Xerxes was up there, they're not afraid of what you can do on the counter unless you're like letting one of the guys straight up run past you. You know, when you got Lewandowski up there, there's a kind of there's a kind of caliber of fear that goes into it. So I understand. For sure. I'm just saying, like, I, no, I, mean, right, I understand. Right. I understand the role that Lewandowski plays and what he would, would do. But I'm not totally sure you guys should need to start. I mean, you're not playing Real Madrid at the, the Bernabeu. No, you're right. You're right. But I think, you know, I, I just think Hoffenheim showed up without without any fear. And I think they weren't afraid to press, even though they know we might counter on them. And yeah, I, I think they, they deserve the win for sure. It was a good game and uh, sad because Joshua Kimmich had such a nice goal for the one goal that we got. It was a beauty into the top right. So uh, sad that that couldn't be the turning point. But, you know, no one's immortal. And you just got to you got to kind of come in in the next week. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the teams respond to this slow start uh, with Bayern and Dortmund and Gladbach. Uh, we've seen, you know, like every single league, even like champions wise and not I mean, just other good club. Like it, it seems like everyone's the you know, the wheels are, are moving a little slow right now. I mean, you know, with the, the shorter offseason and, you know, soccer players don't have much of an offseason anyway. But it is, you know, it, it's just a. a a different format and, and just everything that's gone on. I think, I think you have seen a lot of teams just kind of get out the gates a little slower than expected, but I, you know, I imagine in a month or so it, it won't last in, in this way, but I do think like the teams have been affected by the scheduling and, and the change there. Right. And I mean, look at the two teams that were surprised of losing the most early on PSG and Bayern. And those are the two teams that played latest into the last season. So it kind of makes sense that we see them, with the most kind of concerning results. So, but yeah, I mean, Bundesliga is still two weeks in. I, I'm not willing to obviously be worried about Bayern or Dortmund or Gladbach. I think that it's kind of, you know, it's interesting to see, but it's a bad loss. And also more importantly, it's a lot, it's a win that they could have gotten to already get a leg up on Dortmund and they miss out on that opportunity. And that could come to bite them in the butt later on. If, if both these teams just go on a streak and have to just worry about playing each other to be the difference. But yeah, that's how the stuff went in the Bundesliga. In the Serie A, we had some similarly kind of shocking results. We talked about Juventus playing Roma. Should be the better team, right? Wrong. They were not the better team. They tied 2-2. Very even matchup at times. Honestly, Matt, I have a question. Juve's offense is great, but do you think Juve's defense loses them the Scudetto? I mean, they played terrible in the defense. They didn't know what they were doing, and that's what Juventus is known for. They let Veratu two goals, defensive errors on both, 2-2 tie with Roma. Obviously not the end of the world. They didn't even lose, but their defense looked terrible. And if they play like that against a team that's on all firing at all cylinders, 
it could it could be bad. It could be bad. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Juventus's defense's struggles have been kind of apparent the last few years. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think they're quite to the extent of like a city, but they're similar to City because they also do kind of feel like they probably could, like I mean, like City could score goals to compete with anybody, and Juventus I feel like kind of feels the same way. Um, but I do think their defense is is a little better than City's. But yeah, I think you know the the cracks that are there. I. I picked Inter to win Serie A, and, and I'm sticking with that. Um, even you know, more so just because of like I think Juve's desire to try and focus on Champions League more, and I think that is probably where you know Juve gets hurt by it more because we've just seen it, it, the inability to prevent goals comes back to to haunt teams. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and it definitely haunt Juventus in this game. They should have won. They did not. Obviously, Ronaldo grabbing a brace, so you know he's ever. Napoli important. looks good. Napoli does. AC Milan's two and zero. I mean, you know, lots more right. to play, but. Right. Yep. Napoli. I was gonna gonna be my next question. Yeah, are Napoli legit? You know, they got two wins, eight goals, zero conceded. Hard to say because they played Parma and Genoa, so obviously two teams that they should beat. Uh, but yeah, they look good. They got their scoring boots on. They have not let a goal in yet, so good for them. Atalanta, Lazio, Inter Milan, all getting off to winning starts. You know, Milan, two straight wins to start. You know, that's we talked about them being kind of a, t- a team that could get into the top four this this year, maybe compete. You know, Juventus is competition from the get-go. That's the thing to take away from this this weekend of play. You know, none of the teams are going away just yet. None of them are making the mistakes they need to for Juventus to have an easy road. So it's going to be an interesting Serie A season. In La Liga, yeah, Madrid well, gets in, their in first Napoli, win in a dramatic uh, too. What's up? Um, I was just saying it, it, it's going to be a great season in Napoli, and you know we'll, we'll get to kind of see a little more of how that plays out. Napoli goes to Juve on Sunday, so we'll get uh, a look at two of the best looking teams and two of the favorites so far in the season. This right? Weekend. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a good one. It'll be a good one to take for sure. And uh, I still think Juventus should win that game. I think Napoli doesn't have the firepower to beat them, but we'll, we shall see. Uh, La Liga, obviously off to an interesting start. We talked about it. Who's going to be, if, is there going to be kind of a competition for the top? Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there is. Uh, Real Madrid getting their first win in a dramatic 3-2 victory over current league leaders Real Betis. Sergio Ramos scoring a late winner. Is he really a defender? I don't think so. He just scores their goals. So that's that's my take on Sergio Ramos. He's their striker. Uh, Sevilla, you know, going off of their top, uh, their good performance against Bayern in the UEFA Super Cup, winning at Caddies. Barcelona, how are they going to react to the weird offseason? They beat Villarreal 4-0 with an Ansu Fati brace and a Messi goal once again to start a season. And finally, Atletico Madrid show us what we were waiting for. Smash second place Granada 6-1 in their opening game. I mean, they are formidable. Diego Costa scored. Angel Correa scored. Joao Felix scored. Luis Suarez came in and scored a brace and had an assist. I mean, they got as much firepower as anyone. Suarez killed it. He killed it. And they got Jan Oblak in the back. They got Sal Nagunez. They got Yannick Carrasco. They have a lot of great players. And they are tenacious. I mean, I think our our pick for Atletico to kind of challenge that Madrid-Barcelona dual hold over the championship is is very spot on and that's what looks like going on so far but all the teams that needed to get a win grabbed a win so 
week three. I, it's technically week four in Spain, but you know, with all these teams, it kind of feels more like week two, week three. And yeah, La Liga getting off to an exciting start, and we'll see what Barcelona Madrid can respond to, and if Athletic Atletico Madrid can keep performing this way. What do you think, Atletico to win it? Hell yeah! You know I'm Atletico Hell all the way. Yeah. Suarez, Suarez already impacting them that way. Like, I mean, he, he's a different play, player than Diego Costa, but like he can kind of fit that sort of role ish for them. And when they have a striker like that, like, Atletico becomes a far better team. Um, and Jao Felix was great. I mean, if, if he can keep on improving, I, I mean, they're not only going to be a threat to win La Liga, but I think they actually have some strong aspirations in the Champions League. Right. Yeah, I agree. I would not want to face them in any kind of capacity in any tournament. So I think that they're going to be an interesting one to battle. And when you have so many cha- choices up front and you can bring in, you know, Diego Costa maybe off the bench to spell Luis Suarez – Yikes, 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 yikes. So yeah. that's that's scary. And uh, Barcelona, Madrid should definitely be worried about that. But still early going. We'll see which team can hold it up. And that's kind of the name of the game in soccer. You can start well. You know, you can go poorly. But what matters is what you do most consistently. So La Liga, looking competitive. Serie A, looking competitive. Bundesliga, looking not competitive. <laughs> That is how it is going. It so looked far. better. It's looked better. That's definitely an understatement of the year. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, you know, it's nice to have soccer already back after missing it for so many months. Now I feel like we've just got soccer, soccer overload, which is going to, I feel like it's going to probably feel like that through the end of Euro 2020, asterisk 2021. So I've got no complaints with that. Give me all the soccer. I can get college football week four technically was this week, but it certainly felt far more like week one. I mean, like I watched some games a couple first few weeks and it was like, Oh yeah, it's football. But like it's, it is back tons of great action this weekend. Uh, Big 12 starts play in conference. SEC just got underway in general. So it really, it finally felt, like a college football Saturday. It was, it was great. You know, now everybody knowing too, that the PAC 12 and the big 10 are coming back. You know, the season really feels, it feels like a full season again, which is nice. We do hope, you know, players, coaches, refs, TV crew, everyone stays safe through all this. Um, There has still been, you know, Houston that can't play a game Four straight openers that have been postponed because of COVID influencing the events, but so far has been, I'd say, pretty solid. And let's get to the action. The action was great. We're going to start right with some upsets. Two top 10 teams went down this weekend, including the defending national champions, LSU Tigers, 15-game winning streak coming into this game, all from last year. They're home at Death Valley. You know, coming into this game, the question was, how would LSU's offense look without Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and, and all those weapons? And on the other side, it was how would the Mike Leach offense look in the SEC? And, you know, offensively-wise, both teams looked pretty well. The final score was 44-34. Mississippi State did win. Um, so, yeah, offensively, it was, a, it was a good offensive game. So LSU's offense was good, but they could not stop Mississippi State. As I said, 44 points for the Bulldogs. K.J. Costello, grad transfer from Stanford in his first game in Mike Leach's offense, gets a SEC record. 623 yards, five touchdowns, 
I mean, I we were all wondering what LSU's offense would look like with all those players leaving. It's the defense that's been hurt far more. Uh, you know, they they did not look well out there. And even last year, they weren't a great defensive team. You know, their offense really did kind of work as their defense. But this defense did not look great. Uh, but at the same time, I think, you know, it, Mike Leach's offense looked pretty good in the SEC. And, and to put 44 up on an LSU team at Death Valley, I know there's a lot of circumstances to it. But uh, that, that's a pretty good opening show for for that offense in, in a conference that we know so much more about defensively the other top 10 team that goes down Oklahoma it's the second straight year Kansas State beats a top five OU team it's the first time in Kansas State history that they beat a top three team on the road Oklahoma was up 28 to 7 before eventually losing 38 35 you know it highlights the Sooners inability to play defense and which has prevented this team this school from winning national championships now you think about Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, two Heisman winners, one second place Heisman winner, Heisman uh, you know finalist. This offense has been as good as we've ever seen in the NCAA and in college football, but the defense cannot stop anyone. And you know I think th- I personally think this knocks OU out. You know there, there's a good chance we could see teams with a lot of losses, or not a lot of losses, but we could see teams, a lot of teams with losses, and and you know, teams with losses making the college football playoff. But I think if you lose at home to Kansas State, that that's an ugly loss. You know, this K-State team was coming off of a bad, heartbreaking loss, albeit, but a bad loss to Arkansas State. But, uh, you know, credit to Chris Klein, credit to the Wildcats. They did not give up against the Sooners, went and earned themselves a big upset victory down there in Norman. Uh, so congrats to K-State. And, yeah, Oklahoma and LSU, number three and number six, respectively, they are – Certainly no longer reigning in the top 10. And the team who I thought looked the best last week, it's number five, Florida. They've actually moved up to number three now, but number five last week, 51 to 35 over Ole Miss at Ole Miss. Like I said, they looked like one of the best teams last week. Uh, Kyle Trask really seems to be the answer at quarterback after, I mean, Florida literally has been looking for a quarterback since Tim Tebow. And I think Trask looked the part. I like the dual attack with Emory Jones. I mean, you got Dan Mullen there. He should be able to figure this offense out. The guy's in, an incredible offensive mind. You got Kyle Pitts at tight end. Four touchdowns in that game against Ole Miss. Early Mackey favorite for tight end of the year. D is good. I mean, they gave up 35 points to Ole Miss, but I think that's more, you know, the Lane Kiffin staple of, of his teams being able to make some big plays and, and get a lot of big scoring plays. So, and I see more of that coming from Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is, they're not a consistent team offensively or defensively, but they do have some big play potential. Um, and even if they don't get any upsets this year, they're going to be a thorn in the side of a lot of their SEC opponents. But yeah, Florida with a strong win. Could they make their first college football playoff this year? Uh, obviously, Georgia didn't look all that sharp, but Alabama's still in the way. They still, you know, LSU, Kentucky's not a bad team, but. Florida looking good so far. Other quick check-ins, Pitt 23, Louisville 20. I told you to do the under on this game, which I think was like 55, and at halftime I think they had like 40 points, but only two field goals in the third quarter, no other points in the second half. Pitt gets the win over Louisville. They stay undefeated. Cincinnati 24, Army 10. This Cincy defense is for real. They dominated the Army triple option. They could not find any holes. Unfortunately for Cincinnati, they don't have much of an offense, but if that offense can – reach half the level that that what that defense is hitting right now. Cincinnati, very good team. Miami, 52, FSU, 10. 
Derek King and Cameron Harris cannot be stopped right now. But now the attention for Miami, 3-0, they've, they've dominated their opponents. They've scored more points in each game. Offense looks better and better. Clemson, they go to Clemson for their next game. Not this weekend, but the following weekend. So we're going to see how real Miami is, certainly in that game. And Texas, 63, Texas Tech, 56 in overtime. Was this just a tough rivalry game, or does Texas have some cracks? Uh, you know, I think it's obvious that the defense needs help, but I am going to give Texas the benefit of the doubt. Of course, Oklahoma lost last week, so that helps their conference um, you know, aspirations of taking home the Big 12. But not the cleanest game by the Longhorns down there in Lubbock. Jan, what caught your eye in college football this week? Yeah, I mean, I definitely was looking at the Pitt-Louisville game, you know, obviously looking to see, you know, after a crazy first half, who would come out with it. And Pitt, you know, stayed 3-0. It's good for them. You know, people were asking, can they keep it up against this Louisville team? That is not bad, for sure. They lost to Miami, obviously, but that doesn't really count because of how good Miami is. Uh, yeah, but, you know, they performed well, happy for them. LSU, they got a bad draw for the first game playing a Mike Leach offense after losing so many players. It was a hard start for them. So I'll see them rebound, you know, probably do okay. Uh, We'll see what that actually means in terms of playoff contention. But yeah, Mississippi State looking good. What can they do? Mike Leach, you know, a good homecoming uh, and seeing what what that ends up entailing. Uh, I liked the Auburn-Kentucky game. That was definitely something else that I was looking for. You know, how would would Bo Nix do? You know, can he propel to the next level? He certainly, you know, didn't do anything poor. You know, he threw for three touchdowns, 233 yards, ran it for 34 yards, you know, got Auburn that win against a good, like you said, Kentucky team. So another interesting team to watch is Auburn. But yeah, next week, Clemson, let's go. Let's go with Clemson. It's going to be a really great matchup. You know, what does Trevor Lawrence do, you know, in this one? You know, can he kind of show us that he's that number one pick that we all expect him to be, you know, against a a good Florida team and a good Kyle Trask? Or, you know, Miami. Oh, sorry, Miami, Derek King. But or can, you know, Derek King come in here and really prove himself against the, I would say, the only quarterback that he's faced so far that's better than him. So I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think, I think Miami is, I, I think they're rate, ranked eighth right now and they have a bye this weekend. So there's no way that, you know, they'll like lose their ranking. If anything, they'll go up. So Clemson's going to be playing a top 10 team at home. I, I bet you that line is still 16 and a half, if not more for Clemson. I mean, yeah, it should be. They still have Trevor Lawrence. They still have ETN. I mean, why wouldn't it be? I mean, they it's still- just insane. Like that's yeah. how good. Like, like it's just like, yeah, here's this upstart top ten team coming into Clemson. You're like, oh, can they like make a name for themselves or whatever? And Vegas is just like, make a name for themselves. They're just trying to lose not by twenty. Like, right. I mean, hey, if Derek King can go in there and lose by ten to Clemson, good for him. Good for him. So I agree, you know, it's where you have to go with. But, you know, no game is set in stone just yet. We saw that with several teams this week that should have won that didn't. I agree with Oklahoma. I think they're probably out of it because I don't think – I think there's going to be losses for teams. I don't think any of those losses are going to be as bad as a loss to Kansas State. You know, you're not playing like a Mike Leach offense in an upstart Mississippi State team, you know. You're playing a team that you should easily beat. So When you're up 28-7, to like, (laughs) come on. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's just surprising, too. Both those teams, both LSU and Oklahoma, lost at home. 
Right. I mean, that's hard though, right? Because what is home? What is home? Right. It's still home. Yeah. It's not like, it's not the normal home that you have. So yeah, it's not the normal, but like, it's still home. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think home field is probably a little less. A hundred percent. It's not, it's not as if like, if the, if the crowd's there in death Valley, I, you know, Mississippi state game probably looks differently, but I think you still have an advantage, not the normal advantage, but yeah. You definitely have an advantage, so it's interesting to see both those teams. Yeah, I, but I still think Oklahoma's loss is probably the ugliest one of the weekend. Going to be remembered as we gauge them in terms of playoff contention for the rest of the year, which I, I agree. I don't think they'll probably end anymore, which is hard to say. I mean, after one game, you know, it's, I hate always saying that, but you got great teams around the country that don't lose to Kansas State. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, like it's not like, like I'm not sure they've got enough – because, like, yeah, you can have your loss, but, like, all right, so then you have, need other people to lose, and you don't want, like, you don't want to have the worst loss on that list. And not only that, like, is is Oklahoma going to be able to get enough good wins to, like, counteract that loss? I mean, Iowa State already has the loss to Louisiana. Uh, Texas struggled against Texas Tech. Like, they don't – Oklahoma doesn't have, like, a non-conference game to be able to get – to, like, boost their resume, you know? The, the lack of, like, those on teams – schedules this year because of the pandemic limits your ability to get you know a big win to be like hey no we showed how good we are right here right exactly I mean I'm looking at their list of games here I think they have to go into Texas and beat them you know pretty convincingly I think they have to go to Texas Tech and do the same thing and then they got to win that Okie State rivalry game pretty convincingly you know I mean, they have they have, they have to have people lose regardless. well for sure for sure and for like, sure but I mean, I'm saying no no I know I know you I know you I'm like I'm saying it's all you know it's a mute point until people lose, which they, I mean, I kind of feel like it's either going to be like straight up, like four teams that just didn't lose, or there's going to be a lot of chaos, a lot of like losses here and there. I can't quite, it's tough to gauge right now of how the season's going to go with everything, but I don't, it, Alabama and Clemson, like I think Alabama is going to thrive in this chaos because Saban's just that regimented and that good. Clemson's just too good to not do well. We'll see with, you know, Ohio state, but. I don't know. I don't know who that fourth team ends up being. Um, but, you know, like if you have an undefeated Alabama team and an undefeated Florida team play in the SEC championship game and Alabama beats Florida in a close one, are you going to take one loss Florida to Bama or Big Ten champion Oklahoma with a one loss to Kansas State? Like that it becomes tough to not pick Florida in that situation. Yeah, you're right. It definitely does. It definitely does. And Alabama also has like an interesting schedule. I'm not saying they'll lose, but you know, they do have games against Texas A&M. Georgia didn't look great, but they're still, you know, up there. Tennessee, we've agreed like that they're not a great competitor, but you know, still a ranked team and they play Mississippi State in the middle of all of that. Who know, who knows what Mike Leach's team is going to do. So I think that could be an interesting game um midway. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I agree. I think we'll see some losses in places we don't expect to see losses, and that's just going to make everything more exciting. And I, I, I'm i leaning towards everything being more chaotic than less chaotic. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, me so. too. Of course. You want but like that. The chaos, the chaos, but like, I mean, you know, the chaos isn't going to, it's not going to impact Nick Saban and his team like this. Like, but it's going to be fun. It's like I said, you know, week, technically week four, but this one really did feel like the first, they're like, okay, yeah, football's back which is great. Should be another good weekend coming up. Um, it's, it's weird just kind of getting thrown right into the conference matchups, but should be a fun season. Glad they're able to hopefully keep on having it and keeping everybody safe. Jan, why don't you update us on what's going on on the ice 
for Lord Stanley's Cup. Maybe check down in the Wubble, the WNBA playoffs. Right, exactly. Let's go quickly through it. The action from this weekend going into the week of playoff games in the WNBA and in the NHL. We'll start in the WNBA. Uh, the Aces beat the Sun 84-75 to in Game 4 to force a Game 5. And, you know, series even at 2, 34-year-old Angel McCautry have a game, 29 points, six, uh, 6 rebounds. I mean, to lead the Aces to a win. Jasmine Thomas still played well for the Suns, 25 points. The Aces outscored the Sun in the third quarter, 28 to 16. That kind of was the difference in this game. You know, it seems like a, between Asia Wilson and Angel McCautry, the Aces always need a big performance to get the win. So in game five, it's time for Asia Wilson to step up in MVP fashion to send them to the finals. Or I agree, I think the Sun probably take this one. But we shall see. We got a game five. It'll be interesting. On the other side of the court, the Seattle Storm sweep get out the, the brooms. Sweep the Minnesota Lynx in three, 92 to 71 game three win. It was not close. Like we said all along, Seattle Storm just too strong for Minnesota. Brianna Stewart with a career high playoff points, 31. Sue Bird, 16 points and nine assists. They're simply the best. And they are going to be my favorite for the championship, either playing the Aces or the Sun. What do we feel about a game five between the Aces and the Sun and whether either of these teams can compete against the Storm? Yeah, I mean, I thought I was expecting the Aces to get that that game four win. They're just too good of a team, I think, to go down. I am still leaning towards the Sun. You know, both these teams really do rely on their defense, and that's how it's, you know, Suns play better defense game one, Aces game two, you know, back and forth in that fashion. So they they are both going to have to really be on on their game defensively, and you know with that is why you need big plays by people like McCautry or Asia Wilson, Duana Bonner because you know good offense is sometimes all that you can turn to in the face of good defense. But yeah, I'm still leaning towards the Suns. I I, I think Suns or Aces have a good chance against the Storm. Um, as you said, like I, I, the Storm have been my favorite all year. They were champions two years ago. A lot of that that crew is still here on this team. So they know what it's what it's like to win. It's, honestly, Storm have been one of the best franchises in the WNBA for the last couple decades. Um, so, you know, that does help them in this battle against, you know, the Sun or the Aces, kind of more younger franchises. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Storm are the favorite against the Aces or the Suns, but I'm going to take the Suns over the Aces to make the WNBA Finals and then – that should be a good one. Like we said, Suns were got second last year. They just lost in game five to the, the Mystics going down three to two. Storm not too far away from a championship themselves trying to kind of create their own little bit of legacy. So it should be a good one. But it'd be great to see the Aces in there too. You know, it'd be their first time. As I said, I always love Bill Lambeer, bad boy Pistons. So it's been a great playoffs on the WNBA. A ton of different players that I think have stepped up for these teams, which has been fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I kind of want the Aces to, been th- to be there just because, I mean, how many MVPs can you have in a court at once? I love that. <laughs> so I definitely always uh, kind of leave that way. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we got Game 5 coming up, I believe, tomorrow. So we will watch for that to see what the WNBA Finals is going to be. who's going to contest it uh the nhl is going to a game six tonight as the dallas stars won three to two in double overtime in game five perry and pavelski scoring in regulation for the stars palat sergachev equaling the score for the lightning perry gets 
the double overtime winner. I mean, they are the never die Dallas Stars. You know, can they force? So true. Can they force a game seven? You know, Stamkos is out for the rest of the season, uh, for the rest of the series. So that kind of puts a dent, not like too much of a dent because he was out already, but does put a dent in the Lightning. Um, for me, the big story about this, right, is kind of, and I'm going to make an analogy to basketball here. You know, Nikita Kucherov has to be LeBron James. Don't let them force a game seven. Go out there, take charge, take your team to the win, take the cup, and go home. Because I think if the Lightning win tonight, obviously they win it all. But I think if it goes to game seven, the Stars are going to win it. I just think it's going to be real hard to try to move the momentum of dropping two games straight and, like, having to play a game seven. It's going to be real hard. So I think Kucherov has to get it done tonight. You know, he he they had the chance – they were the better team down the stretch in game five for me, you know? And so I think they could have won in overtime a couple of times. They didn't get it done. They have one more chance to get it done before they're on the chance to, you know, lose it. And I think they have to tonight. So for me, whoever wins tonight is going to win the Stanley cup. That's kind of where I sit. What about you, Matt? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's tough. Like, and that's three, one situations. It is so tough for that. You know, the team that's given up their lead, like all the momentum is with the other team. So if the stars do it, it does seem like they would be the favorite. I, I, I think that I think that I'm taking the lightning regardless, even if the stars do win tonight, I think the star either. I think the lightning are going to win tonight. So I think it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. But me too. I, I mostly agree with you too on, on the Kucherov thing. He, he wasn't, he wasn't a part of the game enough in game five. And he's the kind of player that he needs to implement himself in, into the offensive game of the line. I mean, he needs to force himself in there and, and to be making a bigger impact because he's just too talented and too effective of a player to, to not. Right. Exactly. He has a tendency to make all the players around him better, but it's time for him just to be the best player on the ice. That has to be what happens in game five. And that's how the lightning, you know, I mean, game six, and that's how the lightning win it all. So we, yeah. shall well, be- I mean, like, and I'm even fine with that. I don't care if he comes out there and gets six assists, but like he only had one assist game five. Like I think Kushrov needs two or more points a, a, a game, you know, and I don't right. care if there's two points or two assists, if it's two goals, if it's a goal and assist, you know, but like he needs to be a part of the buildup and a part of the action more. Uh, and if he has to force himself into it, then force yourself into it because that's how you're, you're the best player on, on the ice for the lightning. And if you're not the one, doing it then it's not going to be as effective as it would be right you're not just the best player on the ice for the lightning you're the best player on the ice period That's yeah just for like sure the truth. so you have yeah. to you have to play like that you're right whether it's assists or, or like direct goals but i i definitely think he needs to be more involved in the play and we shall see tonight does someone host the stanley cup or do we go to a game seven it'll be exciting either way and we shall see what happens and we will update you next episode and I absolutely love that, like, we were just talking about this, you know, stacked weekend that we had. And then Monday here, we've got game six of the Stanley Cup. Uh, Monday night, maybe the best Monday night football game in a long time in the Ravens and the Chiefs. You've got French Open going down. Like, it's just yeah, I so mean, it, tough. It never stops. Liverpool and like, we- Arsenal was today. Right, exactly. And there's like, it never stops. And like, German, uh, Bayern and Dortmund are playing Wednesday this week. So we don't get a respite from it in the week, you know, and, and we'll also have NBA finals coming back and, up. Uh, and tomorrow, oh man, what a great segue. We really need this. Tomorrow, the MLB playoffs. Yeah, yeah we did. 
Yeah, we did. The 16-team playoff is here. It's been 67 days of MLB regular season action, which is uh, kind of kind of astounding. There's been a lot of ups and downs. There were some times I, I remember Yannick that you you were like, I don't think this season's gonna finish. And there were times at the beginning there where I'm not sure any of us did just because of the different positive tests. And but they did pretty well. I think you know they did a good job of of containing as we've said before. And we're here, 16 games. The first round is is technically called the wild card. It's a best of three series. Tomorrow it's all the AL teams that will be playing, starting with the Houston Astros against the Minnesota Twins. That starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to talk just briefly about the first round on the AL and the NL side and give our predictions for the series. I'll start with a couple of the first two on the AL. Um, and also, I just like I just love this expanded playoffs. I think it's going to make for some some wild runs. I'm feeling much more like this is going to be NHL than NBA. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Usually you you kind of know who the competitors are for the baseball playoffs. Like it's usually between two or three teams. But I, I definitely think that, especially on the AL side of things, that we're going to see some upsets. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Like, and even, I mean, even baseball can provide a decent amount of, you know, like nationals weren't supposed to win it last year. So baseball can can provide for for some drama, but yeah, let's start in the AL. It's the top seed Tampa Bay Rays going up against the eight seed Blue Jays, and I love that youth in Toronto. But I think the Rays are just too good of a team. I mean, the Rays the Rays might be the best team in the MLB, uh, and they know their division rival well. I see a two zero sweep for Tampa Bay. The matchup between Cleveland and the Yankees. Cleveland is the four seed. Yankees are the five. Cleveland has the pitching to make a deep run in these playoffs. Like Cleveland could make the World Series. I, I think they would be my my dark horse pick in these playoffs. And I think smart money probably goes to Cleveland. But I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to take the Yankees in three. I'm going to hope they're healthy and get by. Jan, who do you got in those first two series in the AL? Right. I, I'm right there with you with the Blue Jays. I mean, the Blue Jays do have like the young talent to like compete. They're good. You know, they got Vic Guerrero Jr., they got Guriel, they got Biggio, they got Bichette. They got a lot of great young players, but I just don't think any of those young players are going to matter when you have such a well-rounded team. I mean, you got Nelson Cruz, who's the heavy hitter there at, in uh, uh, Tampa Bay. You got Rosario, you know, and all those players. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. But I, I, I definitely think Rays are definitely a lot better. You know, uh, Brandon Lowe is there as well. So, yeah, I think Rays are just too well-rounded of a team, and I agree it's probably going to be a sweep there. If the Blue Jays win the first one, the Rays will win the other two. That's pretty simple for me. Indians-Yankees, interesting battle, kind of pitching versus batting here. You know, the Indians have the best pitcher in the league and the best closer in the league. Shane Bieber won the triple crown of pitching, most wins, eight. Lowest ERA, 1.63. Most Ks, 122. I mean, most wins eight. It just cracks me up. Right. Because that, I mean, no, no, I mean, I was like, it's just so funny of like in the shortened season. Most wins eight. Oh, eight wins. Eight wins. Without, without knowing all the information, you'd be like, damn, that was a shitty year for everybody. Yeah. All the pitchers sucked. But <laughs> yeah. Find a win. Right. Absolutely. But Shane Bieber could be the MVP. I mean, he really, really clearly could be. So he's your that's pick, the- isn't he? He's my pick, and I won. He he did it all. So I I think he's got the lowest ERA since the fifties. Like that's that's how good he's been. This that's mad, right? And of course, shortened season. You know what does that do to that? But still, one hundred twenty two uh, strikeouts. 
He's doing really well, you know, and he's going to pitch in one of those three games. So there goes the Yankees in one of those games, basically. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Yankees can win uh, the other two. On the other hand, they got cool hand Brad Hand, you know, in in uh, in the in the save spot. He's got 16 saves on the year. So even if the Yankees, you know, kind of get to the end there and it's close and they might just need a last inning to get it, Brad Hand's going to come in and and save the day. So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, the Yankees have bats, though. I mean, Aaron Judge, you know, obviously we know about Aaron Judge. He's been injured again, but he can always show up at any given moment. Real story here is Luke Voigt, obviously leading the league in home runs this season with 22. No one expecting that, as well as DJ LeMayhew, the first player to win the batting title with two different teams. He's got a .364 batting average. You know, in my head, I, it, it's close. Like you said, it's definitely close. Indians, I think, are going to win uh, but they need, they do need to take advantage of what I consider the not so great pitching of the Yankees at times. You know, I, you know, Jose Ramirez leads the team with home runs, RBIs and batting average, but can, you know, Cesar Hernandez, can Santana, can Francisco Lindor, can they all step up and, and provide offense for an Indians team that is going to hold the Yankees, but can, how, how long can they hold them is going to be the question if the batting of the Indians isn't doing what they need to do. But I have the Indians in this one, but it's going to be real real close yeah that's i mean that's gonna be a really good one i don't think if either of those teams are representing the al in the world series i don't think anyone would be too surprised by that but yeah so uh jan's got the indians i got the yankees we're both taking the rays in those first two series let's keep on moving through the al the number three seed minnesota twins are taking on the six seed astros it's the most wholesome mlb franchise against not that um, the worst. Houston, yeah, the not wholesome one. You know, Houston makes the playoffs with the help of the expanded field and maybe more so an abysmal AL West. Uh, there is congrats to be given, though. Dusty Baker, first manager to take five different teams to the playoffs. He achieved that with the Astros this year. So any any good with the Astros sucks, but, like, if, if they are going to get something good, I'm glad that Dusty Baker is a part of it because – Dusty Baker fucking rules. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, the Twins deserve this matchup because the Astros suck. The Astros aren't good. The Twins are going to dominate. I have no even, I'm not going to get into specifics here because I don't need to. Minnesota is the better team. They're going to win 2 0 on to the next round. The final matchup in the AL, very, very intriguing one. Oakland, the two seed against the seven seed White Sox. What a difference a week makes. There was a shot that the White Sox could have been the two seed in the AL, maybe even the one, but they finished two and eight in their last 10, fell all the way to the seven seed. And part of that had to do also with just the Indians and the 20s playing well. But here they are as the seven seed. I still personally really like the hitting of the White Sox. I know they haven't been playing well as of late, but I think they are still a really, really good team. Uh, I think they're a better team than like the seven seed would, would say. So I've got them getting it done against the A's two games to one in a real good series. Um, but, yep, I got Chicago over Oakland, two games to one, and Minnesota over the Astros, two games to zero. Right, yeah, I agree with you uh, with both of those, actually. I, I think Astros should just be happy that they're here after the year that they had. I mean, they finished with a losing record, so you're going to the playoffs with a losing record. Good for you. I mean, yeah. congratulations. Uh, you are trash. That's all you'll ever be this season. So don't pretend that you're anything else. They got the talent to get it done. I mean, obviously they got Altuve, Springer, Correa. I mean, like, what else could you want from his, from from like a team that finished 
you know, under 500. But I mean, twins are good, regardless of what the Astros are. The twins are good. Nelson Cruz having a monster season, kind of like the Rays, a solid lineup behind him with Jorge Polanco, you know, with Kepler, with Gonzalez, you know, I think they got a good team uh, up in Minnesota. Obviously, Minnesota kind of has a tendency to choke it out even when they play well. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of put those demons to bed. But I see them putting them to bed against a Houston Astros team that just frankly doesn't deserve to be there for a lot of reasons. Uh, in the Athletics-White Sox game, I agree. It's going to be an interesting one because, you know, a couple a week ago, this is easy for me. This is an easy win for the White Sox because the White Sox are just so powerful. But they do kind of finish on a lull. What does that mean for them, you know, going into the playoffs? It's a hard game to call. I just, the Athletics don't have strong pitching, right? You know, Freddie Montas had 13 strikeouts in the final game of the regular season. Can he be the man for them? Maybe. But the White Sox with Jose Abreu, with Tim Anderson, with Lewis Robert, I think they're going to shine in the postseason. And I just don't think the Athletics have the have the pitchers to put them away. So I see the White Sox winning in this one, two to one as well. Obviously close. But yeah, seven seed goes up. Here we go. So in agreement with the Twins, the three seed and the seven seed White Sox moving on to the next round. I think it's technically the, then it's the divisional series as normal. Um, but yeah, so that's how we're thinking the AL goes. Rays, we're split on the Indians, Yankees, and then in agreement with the AL Central teams, the Twins, and the White Sox. Let's move down to the NL, and let's start on the opposite side of that bracket. So let's start with the two-seed Atlanta Braves against the seven-seed Cincinnati Reds. Cincy, you know, they're, they kind of remind me of like the A's. We're just like they're, they're a team with a solid core, decent pitching. They, they just they play well. They play good baseball together, but they don't have, you know, really any game breakers, uh, especially when you compare them to a team like Atlanta. You got Freddie Freeman, a guy who's an MVP candidate. Of course, we know Ronald Acuna Jr. can be as dangerous with the baseball bat in his hands as anybody in the league. So I, I think I'm taking the Reds to steal a game here, but I think Atlanta just has too much. Um, and I think Atlanta has a real, you know, chance to make this run in the NL as we've gone, you know, all season, it's been hard not to just talk Dodgers NL over and over and over again. Um, you know, that's how it's been the last five years. But, um, I think, you know, Atlanta, even as the two seed has, has kind of been flying under the radar and I, I think they win this series and, and have a chance to make, to make it all the way to the world series. And then, we're going to move over to my Chicago Cubs, the three seed going up against the six seed Miami Marlins. Go Cubs, go. Been a streaky year for the Cubs. You know, they play hot for a few series and then look the exact opposite for a few series. It's hot and cold, hot and cold. And there's there's no middle ground, it feels like, with the Cubbies. Right now, they're trending in the right direction. You know, I really do like this Marlins team a lot. Again, I think they're going to get a win in this series, but I'm going to lean towards the Chicago Chicago's postseason experience. The fact that they're playing better, the, the pitching staff is seeming to kind of figure things out. Um, and as I said, you know, a lot of those guys on that team have the experience of making a World Series run. So Cubs 2-1 over Marlins and the Braves 2-1 over the Reds. Jan, what are your thoughts on those two series? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the Reds. This game reminds me of the Yankees-Indians game. You know, the Braves, you know, have the bats. The Reds have the pitchers. I mean, Trevor Bauer was a monster this season. The only reason we're not talking about him is because you have the pitcher over in Cleveland being a little more of a monster. But he had five wins, 1.73 ERA, 100 strikeouts. And behind him, you got Castillo, who has 89 strikeouts, and Gray, who has 72 strikeouts. So they got depth in that pitching. I wouldn't. Those are going to be the three pitchers that start. So it's going to be a little harder for the Braves to, you know, uh, 
do the damage bat wise uh, against this well-rounded pitching lineup. But I mean, the brave ha- Braves are a powerhouse of talent. You mentioned Freddie Freeman. You mentioned Ronald Acuna Jr. That's not mentioning Miguel Zuna, who had 18 home runs, 56 RBIs, and the surprising shortstop star in Dansby Swanson, who had 65 hits and 10 home runs. They just got talent around every corner. I don't think they're pitching super strong, but it's definitely not the worst in the MLB. The Reds have Eugenio Suarez, who had 15 home runs, so that'll kind of be their main batting threat. And they obviously have Joey Votto, who can show up. But, you know, I think this is bats versus pitching again, and I think bats win it this time. You know, I think the Braves get it done. Just barely, I agree, 2-1, to one, and uh, and probably lower scoring than most Braves games. Uh, it's really going to be a story for the postseason. You know, can Ronald Acuna Jr. return as a postseason monster? You know, he was injured a lot. Still had 40 hits and eight home runs, obviously, but that's going to be kind of the main difference for them. But yeah, I definitely see the Braves winning that one two to one in the Cubs Marlins game. I mean, welcome back to the postseason, Miami. Glad to have you. You know, they led by Aguilar and Anderson, you know, two, you know, great players on there in terms of bats. You know, they got great defense in the outfield with Dickerson and Cooper and Rojas. They got some midseason trades, which really helped them. Starling Marte, Jonathan Villar, you know, providing sparks. Their bullpen's really debatable. So even though the Cubs have kind of been streaky here and there, you know, Ian Happ has been a monster for the most part. You know, Wilson Contreras playing well uh, in terms of batting average as well. Anthony Rizzo, always a worry. Javi Baez lives for the postseason. Even Jason Hayward's had an okay season. You know, can Chris Bryant return to form after coming back from injury? We shall see. You know, that I think that kind of would be a really great boost for the Cubs if he can look a little better. Uh, than he has coming back. But also the Cubs pitchings looked really good. You Darvish, eight wins, 93 strikeouts, 2.01 ERA. Hendricks and Mills behind him, Lester behind them. They got uh, Jim Jeffress, who's got eight saves. So yeah, I think the Cubs are a well-rounded team. Granted, they're a little inconsistent sometimes, but I definitely think they're consistent enough to sweep the Marlins, in my opinion. Nice. So we both got Cubbies, both got Braves moving on in those first two series. Uh, let's look at the other ones. We've got the four seed San Diego Padres against the five seed St. Louis Cardinals. Padres feel good story of the MLB season. Maybe yeah, the yeah. story of the of the you know sports year. Of course, with the the shortened year, their win total wasn't going to set any marks, but their six seventeen winning percentage would be the best winning percentage for the San Diego Padres ever. Um, this isn't a franchise that has a ton of ton of history, but regardless, you say your best winning percentage of all time you're having a pretty good year. So well done to the Padres. Glad to see them earn this playoff spot. Uh, you know, St. Louis knows how to win in the playoffs, but these Padres are grooving. This this isn't the St. Louis team of old. Um, and I, I, do, I just think San Diego feels confident. They're, they're playing, you know, they kind of started slumping there for a bit, but they've kind of leveled the ship again. Uh, and I think they're ready to go. I think they're ready to make some noise here in the postseason. So I got the Padres sweeping the Cardinals there. And then the Dodgers, number one seed, Against the number eight seed Brewers, I would like to thank the Brewers for making my NL Central dominant playoff prediction correct. I was did not think that was going to happen a few days before the end of the season. I was like, Brewers, there's no way you make this eight seed. But you did it, and you made me look correct, so thank you. Well done. Unfortunately, you've only got two games left of the season because the Dodgers are going to make pretty easy work of Milwaukee here. Uh, we, we've talked about how good LA is up and down. Uh, it starts with Mookie Betts. You got Jock Peterson. You got Corey Seager. You got the veterans, Justin Turner. Of course, Clayton Kershaw. So easy work for LA. So um, I got LA sweeping Milwaukee, and I've got the Padres sweeping Cardinals. Jan, last two wild card series is 
series is 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 who are you taking series is 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 uh yeah padres a uh, a feel-good story for sure cardinals obviously know how to get it done they played well down the stretch they got it done in the last day by beating the brewers you know they, they're coming in with some confidence but you're right the padres are just too much right now they got tatis jr machado they got their duo for the future you know can they perform in the postseason that's what that's you know left to be seen we shall see but i agree i think they sweep the cardinals and move on and then the dodgers and the brewers i mean the only reason the brewers are here is because the giants couldn't get it done in the last day let's just be completely real they lost a game really badly that they should have won against the cardinals considering the talent that both those teams have and yeah i i, I think that you know it's going to be the most lopsided uh, performance of the wild card round so dodgers beat brewers easily padres beat cardinals easily and that means we get a dodgers padres matchup and that is what we, we want to see so i'm excited for that yeah that that would be a good one yeah i think we're all in agreement in the nl with uh i think we just picked the favorites there cubbies braves padres dodgers those four have been i think pretty clearly the best four teams in the nl but We'll see. It's fun. I mean, there's going to be, as I said, the AL gets going tomorrow with all four of those series playing. And then on Wednesday, there will be eight MLB games starting at about 2 p.m. Eastern. And I think the last one, I think the first pitch is supposed to be at like 10 p.m. in L.A. So should be a fun MLB playoffs there. Hopefully there will be some surprises. And in a month or so, we'll be crowning a, a World Series champion.